all right all these gamers and stuff have been nice but it's time to get back to what we're doing the best here on the dunked on nba basketball show and that is pissing people off with with uh, our rankings and we're going to start with the position that uh, Danny, i kind of think just overall this position is the hardest to rank because there are just so many different types of shooting guards once you get beyond the real big star all-star level of players it's really just kind of beauty is in the eye of the beholder at that point right the tiers are doing a lot of work for me in this one because there are circumstances and there are even circumstances where teams in different would prefer somebody in a lower tier just because the guy is not a particularly good fit and then the other part of i think why shooting guard is the hardest for me is because there are a lot of players that i don't feel super strongly about in a positive way you know like there are other positions where it's like oh i really like this guy or maybe i like them more but a lot of the players just by selection who end up being being shooting guards and not other positions because there are a lot of players who play shooting guard who we'll talk about on other podcasts that it just kind of self-selects for guys that aren't as versatile because they're you know if they were more switchable they'd be threes or they'd be ones or something else and so you get into these like guys that i i like but maybe i don't love or are flawed or something else and so it's an interesting place to start it does make the other ones feel easier i don't think that's why we did it in that order originally but it is sort of a benefit yeah i think it is because they're defining what a shooting guard is it is so interesting right and so I, we did this last year but for those who didn't listen last year just to, for a refresher there are a lot of teams where you have maybe multiple guys in the starting lineup who are shooting guards right like sacramento starts buddy healed and iman shumpert or they might start buddy healed and uh bogdan bogdanovich so but we're not going to put iman shumpert or bogdan bogdanovich in the small forward rankings because really as a prototypical player on most teams in the league this player would be a shooting guard you know what was he talked about being when he was drafted right the the example from last year was andrew wiggins and you could even go there this year as well with both robert covington and andrew wiggins one of those guys is technically the shooting guard but on most teams in the league that guy would probably be a small forward so that's why you know jalen brown is not going to be listed here you know he's played some shooting guard for the celtics but you know he's really more prototypical small forward type of size you know courtney lee another guy who's played some three in his career is kind of an undersized guy and then uh he is a shooting guard another guy josh richardson who has played a lot of three for miami miami hasn't really had a traditional three and richardson is certainly capable of guarding threes pretty well but that's part of why he is going to be higher on the shooting guard rankings because he is still quite capable as a shooting guard and he's the size of a shooting guard and he has the shot uh, of a shooting guard from downtown so that's uh anything else you wanted to add to that just in terms of the criteria or any other players that popped out to you as being like kind of on the borderline um luca is going to be a three that was one because i'm sure people are going to ask about luca and and those small forward ones are going to be a bloodbath just because there are a lot of guys that that are there and a lot of guys that i like in those spots and then the other thing is we're thinking about this more in the abstract if you're going more in the criteria direction it's like who would you want to have on on a theoretical team for the rest for for this season and, and, and so also playoffs, for me yeah, i fo- if that's not and the playoffs and the playoffs but you don't it's not but you're not thinking of it as a championship team or the team they're on right now because that's not fair it's not fair because some, some players are being perfectly optimized some players are not and so but versatility helps you know if, if a guy is more plug and play that that's beneficial if they can do things with the ball in their hands if they can scale up or down their role offensively defensively those things do really matter because that makes a player more valuable or less valuable depending on which way we're talking yeah and another thing too is when you talk about uh, the player archetype to say that one is more valuable than another you know and uh, ben taylor's research has helped me to articulate this uh, a little bit better you know we used to talk about guys as being okay you know this guy can get you from 25 wins to 35 wins but he's not going to get you from 50 wins to 60 wins right this sort of and ben has talked about that sort of player as a floor raiser right someone who can create some offense you know maybe not turn the ball over not be overstretched in that role but ultimately isn't driving an offense to crazy efficient heights right but he's at least he can help you get your offense you need someone to create shots you need someone to avoid turnovers you know he can get your offense 
if you're 25th he can help you get to 17th because you just need someone who can create some more shots and do it without just it being a clown show but that sort of player you know say you're zach levine in in this sort of situation maybe a devin booker is at that level right now though you know i would like to see him on a better team where he could play more off ball uh you know then some other guys like maybe like a lou williams for example you know he, he's a very difficult one to categorize so there's that sort of player and then you have you know your danny green type your your type of player who you know maybe on a bad team isn't going to help a ton if you need a lot of shot creation and you're just not getting it from the other positions but if you add him to say a toronto or a san antonio he's not going to take anything off the table on either end and he's going to add some efficient shooting and a lot of versatility and he's going to help complement the other good players that you have so which of those do you see as more valuable you know it depends what situation in you're in and a lot of that is in the eye of the beholder i tend to default a little bit more to being good on a good team uh, as being more important you know i mean it's because winning in the nba is about winning at the highest levels it's about winning the championship and you know going from 25 to 35 wins is just not as important to me frankly um and then i think another thing too if you want to weigh on and this danny is you know a lot of times we'll talk to people in front offices and like oh like what's the point of ranking players like front offices there's no point in ranking all the players in the league and and like i never understood that i think this exercise is actually very clarifying for overall just kind of personnel decisions basically oh i completely agree and for those who listen to the real gem radios i do with sam vicini i talk about for draft classes about stars starters and and backups and positional scarcity this is the one of the best exercises that i do at ever to figure that out for a position and yeah of course there are threes that play two and and everything else these are sliding scales but for me figuring out where the lines are i mean this is our conversation on centers last year and people can go back and listen to it because we're not going to get to them for a little while was intensely clarifying for me in terms of okay this is the line where i would stop really paying for guys and that is incredibly important and you know obviously things are changing and our own opinions players or players are evolving the roles and positions and all that kind of stuff but really thinking about the talent of the league as a whole in this kind of a framework is really useful because there isn't really another circumstance to do it yeah and if you're paying you know big time starter money you're paying over 10 million a year for a guy who's not you know in the top 20 at his position you know you really got to kind of think about that right and think about how replaceable is this guy really what is the difference between number 20 and number 40 at this position you know i think that's it's that is not a big difference at the center position some other positions small forward i think it's an enormous difference you know that's probably where you have the biggest difference between the guys at the top and the guys who are lower down and this this shooting guard position again you know it is not chock full of solid two-way players guys but then again what as we'll see with that how these rankings have changed from last year you know we'll talk about that too that it's really can be kind of nebulous uh and a lot of variability when you're talking about three-point shooting and defense as being things that can change a lot for a player uh based on how in shape he is or what system he's in or just whether the ball happens to be going in as much you know i mean we're talking we talk about 750 attempts is needed to really clarify where you're at as a three-point shooter you know that's three seasons worth of shot attempts for some of these guys right so uh there definitely could be a lot of changes with this group when you know three and d are the most important things but you know those things that have a a lot of variability to them the guys with the ball in their hands may experience some less variability um so it's our mission here to rank these shooting guards the best we can navy federal has a a more important mission which is putting members first by making their financial goals the priority navy federal credit union is proud to serve no matter when you served or where life takes you you can receive a lifetime of membership benefits to help you and your family accomplish your life missions like a full suite of financial products designed to fit your needs 24 7 live support and access to over 300 branches on or near military bases and thousands of fee-free atms easily access your accounts transfer money pay bills deposit checks with the navy federal mobile app they are open to the armed forces department of defense veterans and their family members they're proud to serve over 8 million members now including over 1 million veterans and their families navy federal credit union our members are the mission visit navyfederal.org for more information call 1-888-842-6328 or download the navy federal credit union app that's navyfederal.org for more information or call one 888 
888-842-6328. Message and data rates may apply. Navy Federal is federally insured by NCUA. Well, we always like to do the ad right before the greatest drama of who the number one shooting guard is will never no one's ever going to know where we're going in this one well i guess maybe there's some drama for some people about whether this individual james harden is in a tier by himself and the answer for me is yes i mean harden is a truly elite offensive player even if he never recaptures the magic that was his 2017-18 mvp season you know even if he takes a step back from that he's still a dominant offensive force a guy who can bring an offense up to an incredibly high level by not by himself but pretty pretty close to by himself and while he sucks defensively offense broadly speaking is more important than defense and somebody who can create what he can create is the most valuable of any two guard yeah and harden leading the nba once again this season in offensive rpm 6.76 he's fallen a little bit behind some other players who uh score a little bit better defensively obviously we're very early here in rpm but the, it does have that box score prior that helps it out uh, he's led a very very good offense even this year with all the fall off that they've had you know they're still a top 10 unit on mostly based on his efforts so yeah i mean i, I it, it's pretty clear to me i mean he is a top seven player in the nba i think this is he's the only guy on this list who's probably uh realistically in contention for being a top 10 player in the nba uh you know i mean and, well, and, and i think that top seven is a very clear tier above everyone else in terms of well, i mean something i was thinking about in the nba when i was when i was putting this together is that james harden is the only guy on my list that I gave really serious content consideration to for an all NBA spot so far this year. You know, we were doing our end of the end of the month awards in November, and that's pretty amazing. I mean, technically speaking, you can pick guys at a couple different positions, but he's the only guy. And that to me was the clear delineation of, okay, you know, there are other guys that I like, but it's, it's Harden and everyone else. Yeah. And James Harden has 61% true shooting this year. His usage is 38%. I mean, that's just a completely insane combination. To put that in perspective, he is by far, I mean, not even close to the second best guy in terms of usage. The second highest guy is Devin Booker with 32%. And Harden, only two other shooting guards, guys who are on our list that would have been considered here, have over 60% true shooting this season. Do you care to name them or take a guess? I'll give you uh, four guesses here, Danny. Can you repeat the constraints again? Uh, over 60% true shooting at the shooting guard position this year. Oh, wow. Well, there's only two other guys besides Harden over 60 god that's really high um, well it's i mean is danny green it's not that high actually, it is for the for the for for a for a small yeah, i mean because because yeah. bigs can sometimes prop it up especially if yeah. they can shoot but i mean league average a lot of the bigs now league average is like 56 percent. but uh danny green was an excellent uh, danny green is guess he is 0.598 so no he does not get that no <laughs> oh oh that's just crushing oh good guess uh, yeah because he he's making just ridiculous amount of his threes so far um because all the guys i'm thinking of are, are well below that like yeah. um, i know clay's having a rough year shooting from three this it's year it's two uh um, just pure shooting specialist buddy healed close uh 58.8 percent this is great radio nate um <laughs> all right you get you get court yeah corver is one corver is one okay and jj the other one you're never going to get J jj has been a little bit off this year he he's been lower than usually he's 58 percent uh troy daniels okay actually uh 60 troy daniels 62 percent true shooting on 18 percent usage in uh making in that games. trade with memphis look like a steal troy daniels who also is not in my rankings at all at these positions <laughs> so uh, and Harden, of course, was number one in his own tier, I think, for both of us last year. Uh, so uh, you're going to open up a new tier now uh, below Harden? Yeah, I'm opening up a new tier. As a point of reference, last year, my tier two also only had one guy, and that one guy was Clay Thompson. He is still my number two, but he is not alone now. I am including Victor Oladipo in the same tier with Clay. I actually have Oladipo ahead of Thompson this year. Um, you know, Clay has struggled 54% true shooting. Now, Oladipo has not been much better, uh, but he also is struggling with that sword knee. Yeah, hopefully, that is in the rearview mirror for him. But I was just very impressed with what Oladipo did last year in the playoffs. I mean, we had him much lower. He was 12th last year. And remember, he was shooting the three at a crazy rate at the start of last year. And I think we both had, or I shouldn't say we, I had him at like 12th or 13th last year. But I, with the caveat that, hey, if he keeps this up and plays at 
this level still that you know he's gonna rocket up this list and he, he was a deserving all-star selection he made my NBA team last year and you know other than this sore knee I haven't seen any reason to, to lower him from there I thought he had you know he had some rough shooting games in the playoffs but I thought that overall he, he had some big games he just looked the part in the playoffs of a, a very solid offensive creator so I think uh I actually have him above clay clay's mid-range addiction and everything has actually really been hurting the Warriors offense this year he's taking shots out of the hands of Kevin Durant in particular uh and uh, also Steph Curry with this mid-range addiction that he's had he's not been hitting I, I have yeah, I haven't said it on the podcast yet it was in a report cards thing I did for the athletic but Clay Thompson's shot attempt rate when Durant and Curry are off the floor is around the same level it's actually technically higher than Russell Westbrook's biggest year and Kobe Bryant's biggest year like that's what the kind of player he's been with those guys off the fourth so far and the results are let's call them mixed yeah and he still never gets to the foul line you know not a good passer I think he's slowed down to some degree defensively you know I mean he's probably he's as good as ever as a switch guy but you know he's getting a little older getting a little thicker not quite the force that he was uh, defending smaller players anymore still his versatility puts him right up there as one of the best shooting guards in, in basketball but Oladipo uh, you know I think is his equal defensively or pretty darn close Oladipo is not as good and they don't ask him to because of his role uh defending the primary guy but he is very good as an off-ball guy you know really pushes the pace in transition as well gets a lot of steals so yeah, I think I would probably rather have Oladipo than Thompson, especially when you're talking about going forward here, uh, that, you know, Thompson is a, is a little bit older, hasn't played as well this year, and Oladipo, you know, is still, in theory, on the upward arc of uh, his career. But it's... a very close between those two guys to be sure for me and, yeah. and clay thompson i mean he still has a ton of gravity like yeah i know he's only shooting 34 percent for three but uh teams will not be uh just leaving him open so he he still has no i don't i don't i don't think they now. will and but but a couple of stats with oladipo because even though i mean i i've been very interested that's part of the reason i've been doing for the 15 and 60s the splits with oladipo and those will be back not this week but two weeks from two weeks hence I'll, I'll bring him back Oladipo last year so these are stats from last year because he was he was awesome 112 offensive rating when he was on the floor which was 78th percentile that's really good and remember he was the lead ball handler for them most time he was playing with another capable guy large portion of it but it was it was Oladipo's show he was also just a huge part you brought up his defense turnovers he's massive led the league in steal rate last year the Pacers forced turnovers on 17.3% of opponent possessions last year when Oladipo was on the four, which is elite, elite. And he's a huge part of that. Lead the league in steal rate. It's a pretty good explanation. And the reason I had him below Thompson is that I'm a little bit concerned by his drop off in effectiveness offensively. I think the knee is a part of it. So last year, he his true shooting 57.7. This year, 53.2. I think he's going to settle in between those two numbers, maybe somewhere in the 55, 56 range. And but until that happens for sure, I feel more comfortable having him below Clay. And I think Clay's shooting numbers are going to get better. I mean, he's been over, he's been at 44%. He was at 44% last year. He's been in the 40s his entire career from three. He's 35 right now, even if he gets to like 38, 39. But as you said, he provides value anyway, just not as much, obviously, because making the shots is more important than the gravity, at least most of the time. Yeah. And for Oladipo, you know, I mean, Clay Thompson might be the most scalable player in the NBA, although I guess he's taking enough of these mid-rangers now that maybe that's not quite as true but generally i mean he's a solid defensive player he can switch he can fit into any system defensively and obviously his shooting ability makes him able to and i think also you know if kerr weren't trying to do this sort of egalitarian system that makes any shot that comes off an off-ball screen like kerr must just think that those shots are worth like two times any other shot <laughs> but you know it still it keeps clay involved etc cetera, et cetera. but anyway i think i'd be very interested to see what he would do in another system and with the ball in his hands more and and as a pick and roll guy I mean, he doesn't really have a chance to do that but Oladipo I think is relatively scalable also uh his his defense certainly travels and his ability to shoot off the ball has improved I mean as a catch and shoot guy you know he started shooting some threes coming off of screens uh, that's looked pretty decent and I think you know his catch and shoot numbers you can correct me on this I know you've been tracking it but uh I think are are pretty solid from three and they have been for a while actually he's been you know high like 37 percent or above on catch and shoots for some time now I think so I think we can rely on that number his off the dribble three-pointer has certainly waxed and waned a little bit more though yeah I, I'm not looking at the numbers right now but I believe that sounds right to me so b before we get on 
one of the things that was so striking when we did when I was doing this this time because I deliberately didn't look at my previous rankings at all until I finished because I thought that would be more fair to, to really go through it blind and because I was blind the last time because it was the first time we'd done it. What I realized was first of all there's a line for me between Oladipo for you would be Clay Thompson if you have the same feeling that I do and everyone else. But what I realized is that is the dividing line of guys that I feel really good about. That's the end of it. It's three dudes. Like there are other guys that are talented players that could be good in their role. But if they're like, okay, set it and forget it. I'm not having these like queasiness in my stomach. It's those three guys and that's it. Well, so Bradley Beal was my number four. And to me, we've talked about my feeling that he's a little bit overrated in terms of when we did that pod on what the Wizards should be doing and what they could get for him. And this idea that he's on just like some unbelievable contract making, you know, whatever it is, 27 million this year. Uh, You know, I did, I saw him more as fairly paid, but you know, it's fairly paid at 27 million is is pretty good and i think you know of the the next of this group you know he's probably either the best or second best defensively which i i kind of thought of this group as you know top scorers on good teams guys who have been able to play on good teams as the top score you know maybe as differentiated from you know say a devin booker for example uh a lou williams for example um so this this group goes four deep for me this is my four through seven so i do think beal I like him better defensively than two of the other guys in this year for me who are DeRozan. I had DeRozan at number five with Beal at four. CJ McCollum drops a little bit from last year. He's at, at six. And you know, there have been some worrying trends in his game. You know, there's a thought in my mind that maybe he's getting to be a little bit overrated uh, at this point in time just because he's not that efficient and he doesn't really do much else uh, other than score. You know, as, as a passer, he's pretty limited. As a finisher, he's pretty limited. Um, and then I'm sure this will be controversial because you know he just hasn't been that efficient this year but i think he's gonna play a lot better number one and i also like his defense a fair amount and i like his spot up shooting uh that's donovan mitchell i have him at number seven so i have donovan mitchell at seven but i do not have him in this tier uh that completely understand just because i'm not i'm not all the way there yet you know i i i don't love mitchell as much as you do but pretty close and i just need to see more of it it's kind of one of those circumstances so i have beal four cj five and damar six and and i originally had damar and then cj and switched it and the reason why i did is because of that plug and play element and damar DeRozan, he elevates teams but he also makes them somewhat DeRozan-y and that's kind of also the problem of separating that out with the Spurs who it was such a perfect marriage because they want to do the same stuff yeah so it's like it's kind of like that couple who have really weird interests or unusual interests I don't want to denigrate them they have unusual interests but they found somebody who has the same thing as who likes the same Uh, things as them so it it gets hard it gets hard to separate separate out the agency there but DeRozan if you put him theoretically onto Team X and the problem with DeRozan for me is that he does create reliable offense but if you pair him with another ball dominant player who is good he's providing all less value because off ball i mean i hadn't looked at it his three-point numbers for this year oh are my god they're almost as bad as Giannis's. He's, he's six of 35 on the season that's 17 percent for those who don't feel like doing math yeah. shooting fewer threes per hundred possessions now than his first two seasons when he didn't take any threes like well, that's really his what his first he's became. season actually was another one of those seasons that i looked at with this is a total aside here but when i looked at like when Giannis was like six out of 51 or whatever it was like DeRozan uh was one of those seasons where a guy was like you know five for like shooting like 10 percent and it had taken like 50 attempts so uh yeah you don't want to be back in that same same neighborhood uh for DeRozan but clearly the Spurs are, are not interested in him shooting the ball but when he doesn't have the ball that means you don't really have to guard him uh, very well uh when someone else is is trying to do something and uh then of course he's atrocious defensively as well that said I think DeRozan is an under rated creator of offense you know like it there is a value to that he is more of at this point in his career more of a floor raiser but remember he was an integral part of the eastern conference's best record last year i mean so this isn't yeah He's it's, been it's a part like of a very good offenses. And also not turning the ball over right. ever is a huge strength. Oh, yeah, that, that's huge, that, too. That we just don't talk about enough. Right. And and that's a really important thing because turnovers, especially if they're live ball turnovers, those are easy points, easier points for the opposition. And so he is making life harder on the defense, on the opposing offense 
in a way that he does not when the other team has the ball. But that's still important. And something I wanted to bring up was CJ. Uh, so CJ, his best season, full season, because I, I don't think it's fair to judge a 25-game sample, is 16-17. That was the year he had uh, a 19.9 PER, you know, 59% true shooting. Other than that, no season over 54% true shooting. He's weak finishing around the rim. He's usually in the low 50s. I had forgotten that he has that much trouble around the rim. That was something I looked up. And then defensively, he is a player, and this is something we could have brought up with Clay. Like RPM hates Clay's defense because he doesn't get steals and he doesn't get blocks. Clay is a much, much better defender. I'm not using it to compare those two guys. CJ is worse, but I think that like the RPM style metrics are a little bit too harsh on CJ because he has been a part of more successful defenses. So I don't think of him as like as bad a defender as DeRozan. Yeah, he but he tries. He's still not great. He tries, but he has some big yes. limitations. I mean, he, you just if he's on your team and he's playing shooting guard and he just doesn't pass well enough to be a point guard uh full time uh, although he's played that role to some degree in the, in the stagger with uh with dame lillard in his career but he doesn't pass well enough he doesn't just break the defense down enough to create the openings to be a big time passer uh and then so you got to play him at shooting guard and now you know you just now you ha- you can't play a switching system you know i mean you, you basically are uh in a situation where again he tries but you know, he doesn't have the size to bother a lot of shooters i mean not only can you not play a switching system but like a lot of times you can't even switch between your two and your three i mean that's like that's really difficult to deal with right i mean it's, you can't switch those kind of actions uh because he just doesn't have the size you know to deal with some of the better small forwards or power forwards. so you're really it, it limits a lot of what you can do so uh, Mitchell, I totally understand why he's not in this tier for you. I, I'm just expecting him to have a better year. If he plays like this all year, you know, next year, he will not be this high. Something I want to mention with Bradley Beal is that he, you know, he has gravity as a shooter and he is, you know, a, a certainly capable shooter, 39% from three for his career, 57 true shooting this year. His defense is better than the guy, the other guys in this category for me, because I don't include Mitchell here. And, but, you know, he he's plug and play and that's good. But I think that he, because his shot is so pure, people think that it's like truly like that, that next level, like the Corver clay type of guy and he's it's not it's not verse it's versatile as those guys and it's just not as successful as those guys yeah and he's a you know more more of a pick and roll player can get to his jump shot off the dribble better than a, a lot of guys as well but you're right I yeah mean, he's, oh and i should mention that's part of that's part of why he's four for me is i thought he did a nice job when wall was out last year yeah. uh so my fourth tier you know this is my eighth through eighth and ninth guys there's actually only two guys in this tier and that's uh josh richardson and Danny Green are in this tier for me. And these are just because they're really like elite three-point shooters and very good defensive players. I mean, there really just are not that many combinations. Certainly there are those who would say, where the hell is Devin Booker? I've got him in the tier below this. But, you know, again, I mean, he's starting to have some pretty uh, concerning injury issues. You know, it's now some of that could be their constant tanking, but you know, he does seem to get, get hurt a lot and just, you know, had, had not looked like he came into camp in great shape this year he's had these two hamstring injuries now hasn't really taken a step forward yet in terms of his uh, efficiency either uh, so and remains just i mean the team just isn't that good even i mean they're better when he plays he at least deserves that but it just when you're at this point in your career and you've never played on a team that wasn't one of the three worst in the nba it's just it's hard to get you any higher than that than where i i have him now but um back to richardson and green you know how does that relate to what you've got going on so i have a bigger tier four Mine is five guys. The first one you know is Mitchell. So it's Mitchell plus four others, including the two you mentioned. So I have... And and so this is my last tier where guys are numbered, though technically my next one only has one guy, so you can number that one too if you want. But so I have Devin, sorry, I have I have Donovan Mitchell seven, I have Devin Booker eight, Richardson nine, Danny Green ten, Gary Harris eleven, and they're basically my concept of it was they have similar overall values, even though they get there in very very different ways. And so with Devin Booker, the argument for me having him here was that I feel like he's in the worst, like one of the worst possible situations for the types of things that we value. Not necessarily for like his PER or certain other elements because his usage is incredibly high and all that. But I think that his game would would benefit from 
you know, filtering out some of the bad shots, having a, a, a more cohesive set of talent around him, all those type of things. Having a defensive center would be useful at some point in his career and having stakes and all that. I could be wrong. Like I, there, there is a, a risk element of projecting out something that has never happened with a guy. And, you know, even Donovan Mitchell in his rookie year had substantially more success, was a part, was a, a part of a much more successful hole than Devin Booker has ever been and probably will be in the near term. Like that, that is something we have to acknowledge here. But, you know, his ability to create offense, I still like his catch and shoot game. I, I, I love his jump shot and his defense sucks. It, it really does. It's probably a little bit better now than it, than it was before. But like, I can see him being a part of different systems and doing pretty well. And then with Josh, if we had been doing this, I mean, a, a little while ago, I would have been more more comfortable putting him above Booker. I have him immediately blow. So again, it's it's splitting hairs here. But the offensive part of it for me with with Josh is just still a question mark. And you know, generally speaking, uh, you know, we're talking about guards here. This isn't the center position. Offense is more important for me than defense. And I completely understand. I originally had Josh Richardson over Devin Booker. But, you know, the idea that Josh is probably best at doing what he does, it's the same thing with Danny Green. You can't really give those guys more. And that is both a positive and a negative. It's a positive because they have something they do really well. And Josh has handled a, a larger responsibility this year. But like Danny Green, he's great. I, you know, there there are 10, maybe 15 teams in the league where I would take Danny Green or Josh Richardson over Devin Booker in a heartbeat. But that's that's true of a lot of the guys around this area. Yeah, I mean, I think when you, you're, if you're looking at team building, finding a reasonable facsimile of Josh Richardson or Danny Green might actually be harder than finding a reasonable facsimile of Devin Booker. I would agree with that. You know, I mean, like, especially like when Williams, you start looking like two or like look two or three tiers down on yeah. this, it's going to be offensive guys, right? Like that's what it is, right? You know, I mean, it, Lou Williams is making eight million this year, uh, and you know, Tim Hardaway Jr. or or a Zach Levine or so, like those guys, I think are you know, Booker is probably better than those guys. You would you would hope, you know, and, and Booker at least on offense, I think he's carrying too large of a, a load. He is an excellent shooter from three point range. I think if you was able to do that more, come off screens from three have guys set him up his efficiency could go way up we don't know that it would but that's the hope at, at least so offensively he's kind of more plug and play but josh richardson i mean he's hasn't been that efficient this year he's been around 53 percent true shooting i think he is probably to me the second best defensive shooting guard in basketball right now behind marcus smart and the ability that he has to guard one through three very well is certainly i mean he's been playing the three most of the way here so that really factors in in addition to being very good guarding his position unlike you know say uh, avery bradley who has fallen off this year defensively but you know he was really more of a one two defender at, at best there uh and you know richardson is up to 23 percent usage but what i really like still is the 39 percent three-point shooting he's up to three-point attempt rate he's taking more of those uh, per game and he also never turns it over like that was a big problem for him a couple of years ago when he first tried to ramp up his usage he really couldn't do it he was just throwing the ball over the gym now he's at nine percent turnover so yeah he doesn't get to the rim and finish that well he's not an unbelievable passer but you know he can work in pick and roll he can shoot the three off the pick and roll and he can at least avoid turning it over so i think it, you know as a guy who could be a, a third option on a decent team i like him and then you know where he is defensively and the fact that he's an excellent three-point shooter and a versatile three-point shooter at this point you know that's why i have him uh, above some of these guys like reddick lou williams booker like that's my next tier and then danny green i mean he's a little different than richardson i don't think he's quite as good defensively but he's a, a more dangerous shooter and just i mean other than last year the on-off metrics have always thought that he was unbelievable that is now translated to a new team he is second among shooting guards in rpm behind only james harden and uh other than when he was hurt last year i mean he's been awesome and he's on an awesome team and so and he's another great plug and play guy he's even shown a little more ability to get to the basket. he even posted up a couple of times last night against steph curry when they tried to put a smaller guy on him so he's not a huge usage guy you know you don't want him doing too much but he does have some ability there so that's just a, a and i default towards guys who can fit on any team and on a good team and don't have the weaknesses and that's you can say that about these guys and if you want to get into the idea of scarcity i think an interesting thought experiment as as much as he was beloved in toronto if you gave raptors fans and you said you have to be honest if your goal is to win a championship this year if you said right now cba be damned you could trade 
Danny Green for DeMar DeRozan, I don't think they would do oh, it. Oh, hell no. No chance. And I don't think, I don't think Masai would do it. And that, you know, like, again, these uh, aren't context-dependent like, rankings. I bet you that if they had just traded DeMar DeRozan for Danny Green and not gotten Kawhi Leonard, I think they still would have been, you know, I don't think they would have gotten worse. You know I mean? We've seen how awesome they've been uh, without Kawhi in the lineup. They're 7-1. and one. They just wax the Clippers and the Warriors without him. And Green, I think, is a big part of that. I mean, he's so important for what they're doing as the one knockdown shooter that they they have. Yeah, and that's an important point to make as well. Is this is not the same ecosystem as those San Antonio teams where they didn't take a lot of threes, but they had a lot of guys who could make them when when pressed. It's it's a little bit of a different thing with with the Raptors. And uh, yeah, Green has really helped himself for me, not only because he's been healthy, and I mean we're getting to see the Danny Green. So the last thing I ask you is, I have one guy in this year that you haven't really brought up at all, which is Gary Harris. Harris is is intriguing just because I think he could do more with the ball in his hands if he were asked to do it. And he's maybe sometimes overrated defensively, but still very, very capable. You know, he's better than a lot of the guys above him on the list defensively, which helps him. How do you see him? And not like, why do you have him lower than me? But that kind of idea of like, what is different about his game than like, do you have him in the next year below or is he even further down for you? Yeah. So, I I mean, I really struggled again because we're talking a lot about role here. You know, so I'm I'm at nine with Danny Green. I stopped actually ranking the numbers because at this point, it's just you're splitting hairs so much. I kind of have it more in tiers. I have kind of this next tier, which would be, you know, my 10 through 12 of great scores and shooters. So I had JJ Redick, Lou Williams, and Booker in that category. And then Harris was near the top of my next one, which is kind of the 13 to 25 range of guys who are, you know, solid starters can give you some semblance of a two-way play. I mean, more than some semblance, but, you know, or at least passable on their weaker end of the floor generally. Um, so yeah, I mean, and Redick and Lou will, you know, again, like Lou was so good last year that I just, you know, he was near all-star consideration. So I had to put him a little bit higher. He, he may fall off and just not be as good this year, but you know, I, I, I'm just giving him his due for kind of what he did last year. Um, and with the idea that we'll see how, how that comes along, but uh, I would understand having him a lot lower to be sure because he is quite flammable defensively. Yeah. So I'll, I'll lay out mine just briefly and then we can kind of go between it. So I, Gary Harris was 11. He is the last of my guys that was ranked my next tier. And I didn't do it at all by rules or anything like that. It was just that I concept of overall value because I don't know. It's just the way I like to think about this. My next tier is one guy. And that one guy is Marcus Smart. And the reason why I have Marcus Smart over the next group, which is Will Barton, Eric Gordon, and JJ Redick, I have Lou one down from that, is because I think Marcus Smart, you know, this was the dividing line for me of can you put them in a playoff series and feel for him, I feel better about it than I do with the other three guys. And, you know, if Eric Gordon plays like he did last year, then, then obviously he moves into that group with Marcus. And and Will Barton could prove it that he just hasn't played enough for me. I would love to see what he could do in this defense, but we don't have the sample yet to really get there because he's been hurt. So for me with Marcus Smart, his foibles are well known but he is a truly spectacular defensive player. He can provide value by being on ball. You know, he's not the best creator of this group or, or, you know, really anything, but he can do well there. And just the idea of a guy that can defend one through four and can do just enough offensively to stay on the court. I mean, we've seen how much better the Celtics have been. Granted, part of that's because Jalen Brown just hasn't been good this year. But I, I wanted to give him respect by saying I trust him more than those offense guys. And even though generally I'm an offense over defense guy for guards, he's so special that the rules are different. Yeah, Smart was a little bit lower for me, but I mean, I think he's the best defensive guard in basketball right now. And you mentioned his his ability to switch one through four. But a lot of these guys who can switch one through four, they're not as good in a conventional scheme and smart might be the best in the nba uh, at guarding off ball shooters as well i mean jj reddick is still having nightmares about him from last year's playoffs and so, so his ability to track guys like that is really awesome as well and it's very interesting what he's done offensively you know he used to have near 20 percent usage he's down to 14 percent this year he's really reduced some of the bad shots that he's taking. he's gotten to be more efficient around the room the three-pointer sadly you know still 30 percent. you know i think he's just gonna be at that level he'll shoot it but he's he's was taking a lot of bad shots at least he's curbed that a, a little bit so he's down to 14 percent usage uh but i also like the fact that he does have the ability to run pick and roll he can play some backup point guard for you he can play the the three for you as well due to his ability to play up defensively uh you know he's a solid passer in pick and roll his off the dribble game is finishing at the room game never really developed sadly that was something i was very high on coming out of school which just uh, that was wrong um so i i have him lower because i still worry about him in a playoff setting not 
not being guarded and it's just it's such a big weakness but i agree with you i mean that strength is just so good and obviously the celtics have taken off since putting him into the starting lineup a guy who i actually had at the top of this tier of kind of guys who you know are solid starters with some two-way ability is uh and i didn't rank these guys that rigorously in this tier but i would have this guy near the top is bogdan bogdanovich i've been really impressed with how he's played i like him a lot he's he can shoot the three he's an excellent passer he's got a lot of flair passing the ball uh he can get to the basket to some degree um run pick and roll as a secondary guy and i've really been impressed by his defense i mean he really fights you know if he like if guys post him up he makes it difficult to get the entry in like he's always gonna continue to make it difficult on you throughout the possession uh and so i i really i think he's really good like he's been an underrated part of why this king's run has continued he's a, a definitely a guy that you have to guard from three 39 last year 37 this year 5.7 attempts um you know he's not even st- and he's not even starting for sacramento i think that should change pretty soon but they've also got healed as well um who i actually also had in this tier even though he's much more of an offensive guy i mean just 24 percent usage and 59 percent true shooting i mean the ball's going in for him and he's also actually i, I feel bad I, I shouldn't have criticized his rebounding i think he's actually for a guard he's a pretty good rebounder uh you know it hasn't helped the kings overall that much as a team but you know, he's when you see some of these rebound percentages he's actually pretty good at that um and and so he's another guy who is in here for me. Uh, who else is kind of in consideration uh, for this this sort of a level for you? Okay, so I have it kind of split in. You could say split in two, split in three, depending on where we want to draw the line. So I have Will Barton, Eric Gordon, and JJ Redick in one group right below Marcus Smart. And again, I'm not again, ordering is not as important at this at this juncture. We're kind of past that. Then I have a group that I, so I called that that group Will Barton, Gordon, and Redick one way, but almost enough. Like they're they're really good on one side of the ball, but then they did they do some well, things well here Redick actually is, this is it, this is interesting to me i had barton kind of well below it i had him kind of down in my you know sort of one-way scorers list again barton is going to play the three but he's really you know uh, has the build of a two so that's why we're considering him here but did you what was it about him that had you so high on it? i think he can do a little bit more with the ball in his hands and i enjoy that and that means that he can he can fit in i think more systems the, and i'm more comfortable with him defensively than reddick like that was a big part of why I, I ended up with him here was it's like well how can i have reddick in it for me in a different tier than barton and even though you know reddick's better offensively what he does is so great but that whole idea and that's also why eric gordon is in this one for me because the theory of eric gordon which was actualized last year a lot of the year is a dynamic shooter expands the range can go beyond the three-point arc and can hold his own defensively beautiful fit in their switch system and so for barton i, I just like him better as as an overall offensive player than a lot of the guys because i he's to me he's a little bit more versatile and i'm i'm open to the idea that i'm too high on him like that it's it's a possibility i'm totally fine with that like if you were to say like why is he so much better than like lou williams who's in my next tier down or somebody else that's a, that's a fair criticism but also he's a little bit younger and his ability to def, you know defend a little bit more than the two even though i think he's miscast as a shoot as a small forward is beneficial it's not a game changer it's not like he can do what marcus smart can or anything like that but i I just liked him a little bit better and i when i can't draw when i feel like i can't draw as good a line without him you know like then i'm just going to include him that's what i did yeah i i still see him as more of kind of a sixth man type of fit and his skinny body and you know i don't think he's really ever looked like a a plus defender i'm very interested to see what effect he's able to have on this team because i think actually with some of their both their injury problems and they're just the fact that Millsap is playing more now they've got they had to play Craig before this Harris has been out I think they actually need his shot creation more than they have previously when I felt like maybe he was even uh, a little bit too shot happy for this team but you know certainly Denver agrees with you with the the contract that they gave him I, I had him a little bit below due to what I perceive as his lack of defensive versatility but Eric Gordon to me you know I actually had him in the tier with Redick and 
and Booker last year. The three-pointer has not gone down 30%. He's just been atrocious, especially on catch and shoots. I saw this the other day. He's 37% on threes off the dribble and is well under 30% on catch and shoots, including those really deep ones. But, you know, certainly he's still getting guarded out there. And, you know, he had that one outlier year where he was 44% in New Orleans, but he's basically been 37% every other year of his career. Granted, he's 30, but his drive game still looks really good to me. So I don't think that age has to do with him missing three-pointers. I think he's going to get back there and, you know, shoot around 37%. But I did lower him just a little bit because of his struggles so far this year and and his age. But I think he's going to snap out of that. And, and if he does, I'll, I'll have him higher. And the defensive versatility you mentioned with that that big body uh, and how well he played, especially against the Warriors defensively last year. I know they've fallen off defensively, but I don't think it's been his fault necessarily. I would agree with that. So I'll go through my next tier. It's it's an interesting kind of motley crew of what I call dynamic specialists. So they're guys who do something well, and then oh, wait, get, other are, things are you, that make me uncomfortable. Moving down to another tier now because I, I yeah I, I guess more, I am. I, let me finish out uh, sure this. For, for I me. think I think the guys in your that you're finishing out are going to be in my next tier, but that's fine. We can do it in that order. Well, all right. So Wes Matthews shooting it very well this year. He's had a little bit of a renaissance. Still a guy who can capably, if not outstandingly, guard the other team's best player on the wing you know he's a tough guy i mean he's undersized but you know i mean he can guard a lot of threes that's something that's useful he's less useful now guarding smaller players with the decline in his quickness but the ball's been going in for him from three he's been a part of this uh this dallas renaissance uh each one more just He's been injured lately, but his floater game is really good. So he's got some pick and roll ability. He's solid defensively, although miscast trying to guard some larger players uh, at 6'4". And then, you know, he's been a, a very solid high 30s three-point shooter. Smart, we mentioned. Malcolm Brogdon, I'm actually moving into the shooting guard this year. That's really what he's played more of. Um, I really like how he he's a very reliable three-point shooter. Not that versatile of a shooter, but, you know, he's. I think we can conclude he's a 40% three-point shooter at this point. His defense is, uh, is adequate not maybe as good as people thought coming out of school and then as a straight line driver he's really improved his decision making he doesn't do the thing we made fun of him so much for in the playoffs last year where he just would catch the ball and automatically take a dribble before he even like looked at the rim he now he's a very good straight line driver especially going to his left and so he can attack off the dribble and, and another guy who just doesn't take a ton off the table and shoots 40 percent from three and you know as a guy who can at least attack a closeout pretty well uh, and then i had two other guys in this year too rodney mcgruder uh, who played some three for Miami, but really with as skinny as he is is more of a two guy who shot you know near 40 percent on threes for a couple of years now in miami and showed more pick and roll ability this year and plays hard he's a solid defensive player and my old flame kcp still at the bottom of this year i think he's been hurt with knee tendonitis he's started to play better lately his percentages have, have gone up he's looked better defensively pressuring the ball and so i think he, he's kind of gotten a bad rap because he's struggled so much and lost his spot in the starting lineup early but i, I still think he's a, a solid player and uh, I couldn't drop him below this. If he struggles for the rest of the year, then obviously he'll be much lower next year. But I, I was, I'm not dropping him just based on a, a bad month and a half too much. KCP's in my next tier as well. And my, it's, oh, wait, it's hold a, on a second. A I, weird... I got, got to do a quick read. I, I should have uh, oh. should have done that. Go ahead. Uh, and, but don't worry, uh, you still get to talk because it's for uh, Sam's.com, who, uh, a service that you used quite a bit when you were uh, mailing out copies of your book. Yeah, I mean... Our business is almost entirely online. So I, and I've been a writer for such a long time now that I hadn't really thought about the logistical challenges of dealing with hard copy material. And that's what a book is. I'm not sending out Kindle copies. Um, I mean, you can still buy them. It's available online, but it was just something that I hadn't thought about. And it was right around when we were, we were talking to stamps.com and I'm like, oh my God, this is exactly what I needed and just hadn't really figured out how I was going to solve it. And it was so easy to calculate print postage. You can arrange pickups at your house and it, it makes something that is strangely daunting now just so much more palatable. And I'm, I'm so thankful that it, it was around when I was going through that big process. Yeah. And stamps.com, if you're not familiar with it, they bring all the services of the U.S. Post Office right to your desktop. That's fantastic, especially during the holiday season. If you have to mail so, some presents, you can buy and print official U.S. postage for any letter, any package, any class of mail using your own computer and printer. And then the mail carrier just picks up. You can schedule even a, a pickup. You can print this postage any day, anytime. They'll send you a digital scale as well. So you have the right amount of postage. You don't have to overpay. 
it's the best gift that you can give yourself this holiday season if you have stuff uh, to mail their special offer right now includes a four-week trial plus postage and a digital scale that four-week trial will take you through the holidays here and you don't have a long-term commitment the way to get started with them if you go to stamps.com click on the microphone at the top of the homepage and type in that familiar cap space code easy to remember we talk about it all the time in the program that's stamps.com and enter the code cap space to get that special four-week offer and a digital scale and let them know that cap space code that you can from us all right so we mentioned some of these other guys here we probably need to speed it up slightly uh so to me i think is there anyone else we haven't mentioned that yet that you have had this high yes a couple of guys Tyreek Evans is in this tier for me. He was not as good this year as he as he was last year, but he was great last year. He was the best player on the Memphis Grizzlies. Not exactly high praise. More, I'd be mean, granted, it's only on the early part of this year before he got hurt, but I have Karis LeVert in this tier as well. I thought he was awesome. And, you know, he could, another guy who could move up if he if he did well, but we, we haven't really seen yeah, it so, so far. So where are and you right now, went, by the way? I mean, just you're saying in this tier, but just to, to clarify. Okay, so my, like so my tier at this point, this is... This is 16 to 23 for me. So these are the guys that are in that range. So these are starters in the league. A lot of guys, I mean, depending on how many threes slide down and so on and so forth. Um, So yeah, Levert, Tyreek, and then a guy who I think gets underrated because A, he's been on a bunch of bad teams and his game isn't super flashy. Evan Fournier, I think is is an overall, you know, competent offensive player, can hit shots. I think he could be well served on a much, much better team, but it's just, it's not his fault. The Magic don't have a point guard, but they don't have a point guard. And defensively, he's okay. You know, he's not abysmal like some of these guys, but he's definitely not great. So those, those are the other guys that are in this tier. And then there's a separation for me then with what I called capable starters, guys that I like, but just need to prove it a little bit more and none of them have come up at all yet okay yeah to me my next category really was guys that i think of as scores you know now and karis levert was in there i think you know the injury we got to see how he responds from that he obviously had taken a big step forward but it was to me in some ways a victor oladipo type of step where the way he was scoring the moves that he was showing the way he was attacking you know it seemed like he had acquired like actual new skills as opposed to just some hot shooting so i was a believer in his improvement but i just with only a month and a half to work on and you know that pretty devastating injury which you know hopefully he's going to come back again this season and it's not as bad as it looked uh but you know i just couldn't go higher with him i mean if he continues to play at the level he did you know he's going to rock it up this list for next year and and zach levine i think you know he he started off pretty efficiently now he's right around league average he takes some pretty bad shots he's atrocious defensively and so a lot of this is really you might say oh man like zach levine is averaging you know whatever it is 24 a game like how can you have him below like kcp or or roddy magruder or something well it's just it's kind of about the replaceability of what you're doing right i mean there are guys that you can find who can go out and create some shots for you and be really bad on defense and he's gonna have to get more efficient and considering his defensive limitations much more efficient to where his offense is going to get him into a higher tier you know this tier I mean, compare him to, in some ways, you could say, all right, he's somewhat of a similar guy to like Brad Beal or DeRozan or McCollum or Donovan Mitchell, right? Guys who are creating shots, not unbelievably efficiently. Uh, but number one, I mean, if you think DeMar is bad defensively, like Zach Levine is like a thousand times worse. And those guys have done it for longer periods of time on winning teams for, so, you know, maybe with the exception of Mitchell, but Mitchell is much better than him defensively too. Like those guys are all better than him defensively and they've been contributors to positive offenses in their career and you know the bulls even with levine out there granted he has no other talent around him uh haven't been that good so he hasn't been able to really drive great offensive performance so uh, and, and there's also you know i think he's got a little bit of a halo around him for some big performances earlier in the year and he, he's really dropped off a lot uh, since then so that's i had barton down here as well tim hardaway jr another guy who you know i think you look at it right like he's creating a lot of shots you know slightly below average true shooting like there's a lot of guys that do that here at the shooting guard position and so that's why i just don't think that what those guys do is as valuable as like really just solid two-way play and ability to hit shots and defend your position well so that's why i have these guys below some of these other guys that we were talking about uh in the tier above i should mention i had levine there too i just didn't see him when i was rattling through my list mostly because i probably wasn't emotionally prepared to talk about him yet i mean oh. 
it is good that he's looked pat like that last year really was the aberration because he was so awful i mean yeah. like after he came back from the injury last year but that that is, we can i think we can pretty much write that off yeah i mean and and we're talking my next about year. for the what we're, we're yeah. not talking about who's the better prospect who we'd rather have over the next five years this is i want to win games for my team the rest of this season and in the playoffs and i just don't think that zach levine despite the promise he's shown in a lot of areas this year you know it, it seems pretty clear to me that i don't think he's helping the bulls win that many games like they suck and and part of the reason why levine was particularly hard to place is in the context of my next group where depending on the circumstance i would take all of those guys over levine but levine you know it, it that's not fair because what i criticize about him is you know it, it's there so my next group i'll just rattle through it quickly buddy healed jeremy lamb terrence ross josh hart and wayne ellington interesting kind of collection of guys but all of them you know not a guy you'd want to necessarily be starting on your team that's my 25 through 30 but they can take on a role and i think another thing i like about those guys is that you can put a lot of different pieces around them and i think they do pretty well yeah, Hart is another one who, you know, I think he's a little overrated defensively because he's kind of slow afoot for the shooting guard position. And he can get beaten off the dribble, but I really have liked his finishing. You know, I think he's a, a pretty capable shooter and he's a, a solid post defender as well with his strength. So he, he's another guy who just a little bit more of it from him. Maybe he has a, a good playoffs. We see him in that setting and you know, I think he can move up quite a bit here. I had Tyreek like way down in the, you know, in like the 30s here because remember where he was two years ago he was traded to sacramento as just total filler in the cousins deal and it was looking like he was going to be out of the league he got a one-year three million dollar deal the biannual with memphis and then he had this great year but a lot of that was built on unsustainable shooting both at the rim he was 54 percent, which ah, that doesn't sound very good well that was pretty close to a career high for him and certainly was it in the last few years and then his three-point shooting as well was 40 percent. he's down to 35 percent this year and overall 47 percent true shooting this year he has improved defensively like jay michael's been talking about that some but it's really like last year just looks like such an outlier now um to believe that he was going to continue to play that way and, and you know i understand why they signed him to well, that contract but and and that's and that's the risk for tyreek of trying to not capitalize on a multi-year and get a multi-year deal yeah. now we don't know what was on the table sure. but if if he chose higher annual value over like you know let's say three years twenty eight million I, I don't think he's going to make fourteen million over the next two years. Yeah, a couple other guys to talk about here. Amon Shumpert has played really well this year. I mean, he's looked like closer to the same guy who got that big contract and was a big part of that twenty fifteen team. But I just both with his health and the shooting, I can't buy it from him yet. But you know, he's a guy who could, if he plays like this all year, move up into that solid two way starter type position but they still had to rest him a lot like he's had all these lower body injuries i don't anticipate that he's going to get there kent Bazemore has fallen off a little bit i mean he's not even starting in atlanta anymore granted they have brother priorities but his shooting is regressed a little bit like i think it's it's just hard to put him kind of in that really solid two-way starter area terrence ross is another just kind of microwave guy who's having a nice season you know just deserves mention in kind of the the 30 to 40 range garrett temple another guy too has been solid in memphis um but just doesn't have quite enough offensive or defensive capability for me to put him into that solid starter type of list as well. And, and Kyle Korver is, you know, very valuable as a specialist, but at his age, can't play that many minutes and is, while still a solid team defender, is just so flammable individually. And he also just can't do anything off the dribble whatsoever um, that, you know, I, I couldn't put him uh, in kind of the starter range. Yeah. So this 30 to 40 group, the, the description I gave it was guys are happy to have in your rotation but probably not on your cap sheet because a lot of these guys make a ton of money so i'll only mention the guys that you haven't talked about tyler johnson i still like his game he's been hurt so much over the last couple of years reggie bullock i i like reggie bullock a lot you know a nice piece of rotation don't really love him as a starter malik beasley still intrigues me like i i, I think he's taken some real strides this year justin holiday tony snell rodney hood mikhail bridges i he's my kind of my favorite of those guys who's gotten a little bit more of an opportunity so far and then solely basically at a theoretical basis so far because of how long he's been out but this is where i have Dion waiters this is my calibration for what he will be when he gets back to 100 whenever the heck that is 
So let's talk a little bit about some of the biggest risers and biggest drops from last year. And again, I mean, once you get below like seven or eight, it's just the differences are so small. You know, I mean, your difference between one and two is probably bigger than your difference between like seven and 40 on this list, you know? So, and that's the nature of just the the way talent is distributed in the the NBA. Uh, So it it does make it difficult, you know, to rank guys. But, you know, who are some of the guys who've really uh, shot up this list from last year? Oh, Depot is one, obviously. Like I think we both had him in the the low teens last year, uh, and now yeah. now he's you know my number two and your number three. Oladipo, Donovan Mitchell. I don't even really know how he counted last year because we yeah. were only a month into it. Was it was just really too early. Him. And remember, at the time we did this, you know, he basically had the first two months of the season. You know, he was shooting eh, kind of about like what he is for this year from three, actually thirty percent. But I mean, obviously his great performance in the playoffs, and you know, was close to being rookie of the year and contributing to winning team and being a solid defensive player like all, all that uh you know really rocked it up this list maybe we're giving him too much credit now for how much he can improve the rest of the season but you know he was he was not someone that i mean he was a, even like not starting for a lot of that time uh, to begin with so there just wasn't the information on him yet marcus smart moved up for me eats one more bogdan bogdanovich is a big jump yeah. karis lavert and I think that's kind of the primary group. Yeah, I mean, last year was uh, Bogdanovich's rookie year, right? So, I mean, it, it was, it, and the Kings were awful last year, and he was, he wasn't even playing that much last year either. You know, remember that was the George Hill era in in Sacramento, and, and so I mean, yeah, I've just been been very impressed by him. Let's see, who else do I have here that was lower? Josh Richardson has been a huge one again. He was he the you'll remember his second year, sixteen seventeen, his year was really ruined by that MCL injury and so he was just coming back i think he might have struggled shooting early and so we were talking about him as kind of more of just the one-way specialist type of player and the the growth in his offensive game at that point has been spectacular and actually lou williams has increased a lot with just that amazing year he had last year but you know i could see him being a lot lower again next year too yeah i feel a little bit bad for not giving him full credit but i did that in like the awards podcast and all that i just felt like it last year was a little bit of an aberration as great as an offense player as he is i mean the the limitation are very obvious and he was so spectacular that giving him a little bit of a downgrade because he's offense only makes a really big difference yeah i like that you brought up josh richardson he moved from tier six to tier four and that might not sound like a lot but that's going from like evan fournier Mar- like west matthews territory to eric gordon like, like the like the guys who were legit starters like unquestioned like that that's it, that's an important jump just like the jump oladipo made was really important my biggest faller was avery bradley i mean he is really just I don't know exactly where where he's going to end up you know he's still probably making his way back from from injuries that sidetracked him last year but the theory with Bradley has always been you know dominant one-on-one defender and then does enough offensively though he takes some off the table because he takes so many bad shots but the total package for me just isn't there right now to to say like to to put him in these tiers I do have him in in a a tier but not in the ones that we've discussed so far yeah so he went from like being really in the mix to being pretty much out of the mix yeah I mean I had him at number eight last year kind of in that elite three and D guys and he you know in his Boston career he was shooting high 30s 40 percent from three wasn't taking as many long twos those last couple of years into Detroit he got trigger happy with that now again in LA he's been doing that the defense has fallen off to either due to age or injury or both and so it's really you know he, he not even really getting consideration like he shouldn't even be starting right now I don't think for the Clippers I mean he was a guy who's being talked about as getting a 20 million dollar a year contract that never would have happened last summer anyway but you know I mean I think it's almost fait accompli that the the Clippers won't exercise his uh 12.5 million dollar uh guarantee for next year yeah, there's a sad parallel between him and Isaiah Thomas that they both became free agents at exactly the wrong time and they were former backcourt buddies, but that's yeah. just, you know, it happens. It's it's unfortunate. You never wanted to to go to anybody. Another big follower for me is J.R. Smith. Oh, like God. he went from being from being in, you know, that kind of like, eh, you have him on your team and all that. I mean, remember the 2016 finals weren't that long ago yeah. when and, we and did 2017, this. I mean, he didn't have the greatest regular season in 1617, but 2017 playoffs, he was awesome. You know, I mean, like the, yeah. the, that Cavs 2017 playoff run was unbelievable and he was a big part of that. So, it, you know, and, and then I think he was injured at the start of last year as well. So, and then he just couldn't make a shot last year. His defense has fallen off quite a bit. He had that, uh, that boner in the finals and then and, uh, you know, he's not even playing right now. And, I, you know, it's hard to imagine that he can really even help a team at this point unless he just shoots it much, much better. Um, 
yeah, KCP has really fallen off as well. Uh, I, you know, I thought he played really well last year, but just some of the injuries, he, he's fallen down into a, a, another tier. I actually had him at number seven last year because uh, he had he had actually started the year off really well last year, and then he had a terrible December when he was under house arrest, and then that kind of ruined his season-long stats. But the Lakers were playing much better at the start of last year. He was a big part of that as well. Um, you know, and he had just turned down like five years, 80 million from the Pistons too. So it's, it's important to remember kind of the context of where guys were at this point in time tony snell is another guy who's really dropped out he's just been you know behind a lot of guys now in the rotation he'd just gotten a nice contract and was shooting it well you still kind of wonder like when you see his his stats like all right why isn't this guy better why doesn't he play more um but you know that he hasn't been so he's got to drop down a little bit rodney hood's another guy so i think falling out yeah rodney hood something i think we could i mean not necessarily end this i don't want him to go prematurely but I, I think a good point of discussion is guys that we haven't talked about who could work who we could or even expect in certain circumstances to work their way into this top 40 conversation by the time we do this next year Oof, okay uh i have a couple if you want yeah, to think yeah about please it. i really like hamadou diallo i think that his athleticism has translated pretty well defensively his jump shot's still wonky but i, th- I think that he can get there kevin herter the opposite you know i like his jump shot quite a bit he's better with the ball in his hands than than i expected because we didn't really watch much film on him i like him norman powell could have a bounce back a year you know he's been dealing with a bunch of injury stuff i still like his game dante DiVincenzo is so confident with this shot if it ever starts going in that's going to be really intriguing and then somebody that i'm right in the process of writing about i'm writing two pieces because there happen to be two new york signings on thursday alonzo trier and and then the other one spencer dinwiddie but alonzo trier his I don't know. He's intriguing to me. So like when somebody has the talent ISOZO with the ball in his hands, I don't think he's necessarily going to get there, but I want to like put a little pin in that just on the possibility. Yeah, there's not a lot of kind of up and coming shooting guards here. I mean, Diallo, I'm just not buying his offense enough. I mean, I, I could see him maybe being number 35 it, just because his defense is so good. Uh, By the way, would you like to know who is 79th among shooting guards on ESPN, which isn't perfect because, you know, they have a few guys in there and if, who I wouldn't have and a few guys out out of there who i would have like harden is still listed as a point guard but you know who's 79th among shooting guards according to espn and pr so basically last or close to it 79th out of 79 okay oh god jared smith avery bradley Ooh, 410 Ooh. pr 42 percent true shooting on oh. on 14 percent usage too oh it's everywhere oh i got a, oh. i got a guy for you bruce brown detroit yep he's really i was good gonna mention luke Kennard. yeah i like luke, i like luke Kennard a lot too um Wayne Seldon's another one, maybe. Um, you know, mm-hmm. he's he's uh, the the theory of him. He's always been kind of a little more of a blogger favorite than uh, uh, someone who, whose coaches have loved and, and have gotten in there. But yeah, I think he's a guy who has some talent um, as a reasonable shooter we, and, and, a, and a decent driver and defender. Do we want to mention the legendary vertical of Patrick Bergen Connaughton? I mean, thank God you looked up his middle name. Um, yeah, you know, uh, Tyler Johnson is probably someone who, you know, if he oh yeah, could see, stay I, I mentioned healthy. him in a tier. So, oh yeah. yeah, okay, sorry. Yeah, he could, yeah, he, he, who could That's okay. at least get into the, the the conversation here a little bit more. Um, who do you think is most likely to be a huge faller between now and next year? Hmm. Lou Williams would be one for me. Lou Williams. Lou Williams is an easy one. I could see Reddick taking a step back. Yeah. You know, like if if because again, another guy who's so offense heavy that anything anything that falls off west matthews you know we yeah. both like what he's done so far this year but well, uh, it could there could be some fool's gold in there so many for of me tyreek oh yeah oh Ty, yeah i mean tyreek's already down there for me <laughs> yeah um so many of these guys though are so dependent on three-point shooting right like some of these uh, you know i mean i think brogdon i feel pretty confident he's a solid three-point shooter but maybe magruder it could be one of those guys uh you know kcp i still had him probably higher than than some people as well um you know and maybe you could see as a as a potential riser booker it could get into that tier three if you know the suns actually start to win games when he gets back but i don't see that happening you might have to wait in, until next year there um yeah but no i mean these rankings seem perfect to me I don't, oh and karis lavert is someone who could really rise up uh as well if he continues to play at that level he showed the first month of the season before he got hurt um anything you want to talk about before we go here oh uh, yeah i'll just mention i was able to get amin al hassan 
for Real Jam Radio, we the the pitch was, hey, you want to talk about owners and what makes owners good and bad? And he's like, yes, I want to do that because it's it's something that we both have a genuine passion for. He, it's it's hilarious to me that a lot of people give me credit for ownership is the greatest competitive advantage in the NBA when Amin is the person who convinced me of that. And so we talked about we went for an hour basically just on ownership and also got some great stories from his time with the Suns that I had never heard before. So that's another reason to listen. Yeah, I'm sure that uh, the discussion of ownership and the stories of, of his time with the Suns are entirely unrelated. Uh, I want to thank uh, Navy Federal for sponsoring today's program. They have a mission to put members first by making their financial goals the priority. Receive a lifetime of membership benefits to help you and your family accomplish your life missions, like a full suite of financial products designed to fit your needs, 24-7 live support, and access to over 300 branches on or near military bases. Visit NavyFederal.org for more information. Call one 888 842-6328 or download the Navy Federal Credit Union app. Message and data rates may apply. Talk to you all on Sunday night. Till then.